I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hi folks and welcome to another edition of commentary Frack Stars where we deal with all things Battlestar Galactica from the reimagined series. Don't call it a reboot because Ronald D. Moore gets upset. <laughs> um, and he said that Star Trek London by the way Steve. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a reboot, it's a reimagining. So, which I thought was uh, quite interesting comment to make. So anyway, it's not Star Trek, don't start that again. didn't say (laughs) what so this week's folks we're going to be talking about the episode Act of Contrition which is the in the first series and comes thick on the heels of what Mike and Max did last week which is Bastille Day so this is just after the prisoner revolution so technically they're still harvesting the water there's a party on the flat deck as one of the pilots has just done his thousandth landing did you just say flat deck? Yeah, flat. I thought that. Isn't it flight deck? It's flight deck, yeah. It's flat, isn't it? The pilot, <laughs> but the pilot who was the thousandth landing, his nickname was Flat Top. See, that's where I'm getting it from. <laughs> I'm getting my flat and my flight confused with the top of my deck. Anyway, some geezer, right? Has <laughs> <laughs> landed his plane a thousand times. There you go. And a drone accidentally goes off and explodes, killing 13 pilots, which obviously they can ill afford to lose. And then basically the episode resolves around uh, Cara Fraser or Starbuck, 
reminiscing about her dead fiance Zack Adama, who is Adama's son and Apollo's brother, because basically he died in an accident and he was more or less her fault to all intents and purposes. And that's what this episode deals with. So basically, it's a Starbuck episode. And it's a nice one. It's a bloody good one. It really is a good episode. And we get to learn an awful lot about Starbuck and some of the demons that are haunting her. Still don't think it's... demons. <laughs> no. Still don't think it's as good as 33, but yeah, I do like this episode. Yeah, I, and to, to be honest, I mean, the acting in this, um, which we'll, we'll get to some of the scenes in a bit, but the acting in this, the way that it conveying the emotions and, and all that, I think it's brilliant. Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah, Katie Sackhoff really takes a wee moment to shine in this episode, I think. Although some of the extras um, at the beginning who are sort of prancing around <laughs> um, <laughs> seemed a bit sort of dodgy. It's just like, yeah, they didn't give you much direction there, did they? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be dead in three minutes, so just look excited. <laughs> yeah, they've probably got a minimum fee and all for that, whatever it is, 50 Fifty pound or whatever, hundred dollars or something, death like that. Just walk, just walk around the back. You, just you know, don't worry about anything else. You're gonna be dead in a bit. Just walk around the back. <laughs> you can just imagine them being at home when it aired on the TV and going, "There's me, there's me, there's me, there's me." I'm, yeah, that's me. I'm under that, under that. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, under that flag, that one there, four from the left. That's me. Uh, oh, and oh, and now I'm dead. Now I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That that was my moment. Yeah. On the plus side, I got an equity card. So. <laughs> but, um, I do think that the way that the flashbacks and all, the way they melted them in, so it weren't like, because sometimes when they do flashbacks in TV series, it pulls you out the, the sequence of the story. But the way they did these flashbacks, it tied in with the story, so it worked. Yeah, the way, even when it came to sort of what was said or like, it was just like a repeat of the sentence, um, but it was just you were seeing something that happened sort of like, was it several years beforehand? And yeah, it was very cleverly done, and especially where she's also thinking about herself being with Zach as well. Um, sort of the way she was just sort of touching her lips and her ears um, when she was thinking about how he was touching her. Um, yeah, it was just all tied very nicely together. Yeah, Zach seems to have an ear fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the way that it um, expanded a bit on Kara and Admiral, sorry, it's not Admiral yet, is he? Commander Adama's uh, relationship and the way that you, you understand a bit more why they're so close now because they developed this relationship around his other son, Zach. Yeah. And especially as it was in a bad time as well, because it's they met just after he died. Yeah, and it's also that she's been carrying this guilt for, uh, I think they say two years in the episode. No, two years is how long she's been serving um, on um, Galactica with him. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so basically she's kept it from uh, the commander for two years. Yeah, or, well, longer, because they would have known each other before then. So, yeah, it, it's been a long time anyway. Yeah. Um, 
which leads into a nice a nice bit where Apollo's talking to his dad and he thinks his dad knows but his dad doesn't know and then he realises oops <laughs> yeah it's one of those sort of classic moments did they speak to you oh yeah 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 um, yeah I know all about it we talked it through anything is completely talking cross purposes and <laughs> so Lee goes yeah she's just got so much guilt about what I thought you said Kara talked to you Huh? What yeah. did she do to oh, Zach? <laughs> it's just like you need to talk to her. Yeah, it's always it's always kind of this tiny cringeworthy moment where you see them go, "Hang on, what are you talking about? I know what I'm talking about. What are you talking about?" Yeah, but this is where their acting is just so great. The expressions on their face, as mm. um, yeah, so you could have it on mute and you can see sort of like the pain and things like that in their face expressions or facial expressions they're very good at the micro expressions aren't they where they're they just it's the tiniest little tensing of a muscle but it says a lot on top of seeing all these people sort of dancing around sort of doing this celebration on the deck is you've actually got sort of Adama you've got Lee and you've got Kara um sort of telling sort of stories about their flying and experiences as they sort of head to the hangar bay to help celebrate Um, because of course uh, Lee's carrying the helmet um, which has got a thousand painted on it Mm -hmm. now I wasn't quite sure um, whether or not they picked uh, the um, paint to be red for a reason um, given the sort of Star Trek background of some of the people um, behind the Battlestar Galactica, um, sort of being as a sort of red shirt. I don't know. But... <laughs> well, it was written by two people from who worked for DS9, Bradley Thompson and David Weedle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because, of course, you've got the red paint on the sash that he's wearing that says a thousand, and they painted a thousand on um, Flat Top's helmet, which they're bringing out to him. Um, so, just wondering if they chose red for that reason as in he's the red shirt (laughs) see there you go so basically if anyone brings you anything red in science fiction you're gonna die yeah run (laughs) get your affairs in order (laughs) i i actually listened to this episode with the commentary on this time um and ronald d moore apparently based this on a real event did he really yeah apparently on an, uh, an aircraft carrier here in the american fleet they had an incident. No one was killed, but they had an incident, which was an A-10 squadron, uh, and that's what this is based on. Something went off, damaged the deck, damaged the ship, um, and that's what they based this episode on. And the, the A-10 pilots sang a song or did something. I can't remember what he said, and that's basically what they do on the flight deck. It's nice when they pull in real-life events and manage to weave them into the story. Well, I suppose that's probably what a lot of writers do, isn't it? They've always yeah. got. They tend to base it on things that have happened or are similar to what's happened. Um, so there's always some sort of truth to it because it makes it more believable, I suppose. Yeah. As they say, there's no story that's never actually been told at some point before. It's just how it's told and how it's interpreted, which is usually different. Yeah. Yeah, and they do like paying homage to real events in science fiction at the best of times. Yeah. Well, 
especially with Battlestar Galactica, there's a lot of sort of callbacks to sort of real life tragedies within, especially the US, um, sort of just from the beginning, sort of with 9-11, and as we've talked about before. So you sort of get that sort of quite a lot going through. Yeah, and they folded the flag and all of the memorial service in the same military way. Yeah. The, the, the triangle and that, so that was another nice uh, homage. The devastation of losing the 13 pilots was rammed home when they had the briefing and all the empty seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like so. that they chose um, the number 13 for how many pilots were lost, sort of echoes the 13 colonies. I don't know if that was on purpose or if it was just a nice coincidence, but I like the tie-in. Well, I actually thought it was 12. No, it was 13. It was 13 pilots. Well, it was. I think it was 11 pilots and two deckhands, but it was 13 people that died. Okay. I thought they picked 13 because it's unlucky. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I like Rossi's idea better. That works. 13 colonies, 13 people. There you go. Symbology. <laughs> I could have picked 47. <laughs> yeah, they can't afford to lose that many people in this no, show. No, <laughs> That will do 47. They can't do that. That's too many. Oh, alright, then we'll do 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, the, the other thing that is Adama's um, speech. Now, I thought he was going to come in and say something rousing and inspirational and lift the troops. And what he basically said is, shit happens and it's going to be a lot more shit. Yeah, get over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, I was really? That, that's it? That's, yeah. Yeah, people die and more people are going to die. And this is how it's going to be. So stop moping about it and get on with it. Off the way. Well, the thing is, they're in sort of a dire situation. There's no time really to sort of handhold, is there? So either you accept it or you go. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to harden them to the their reality, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and it reminds them of the fact that um, people are watching. It reminds them of that, that everyone is looking towards the military. Mm-hmm. You know, from from a fleet point of view, if they, if they see the military drop the head, they're going to think, "Oh crap!" So it's, it's that point of view as well. Yeah. But uh, as we said, this is this is a Starbuck episode. So it basically focuses on Kara to for basically ninety five percent of the episode, um, and how she she deals with the fact that her fiance died because she passed him through flight training when she shouldn't have done. Uh, and then we have an explosive scene where Adama basically drags it out of her. Yeah, I yeah. really felt for Adama as much as I did for Kara in this episode because she's obviously been a great comfort to him over the years because she was like his last remaining link to Zack, to his son, and now that's been tainted because he, you know there'll obviously be resentment, anger, hurt. And he can't turn to her for comfort because she's the one that he's angry at. And I, I like that relationship. I thought, um, I thought that they played it really well. Well, it's not just that. Um, these we always knew they had a sort of a father-daughter relationship, but this episode sort of says why, because 
she was going to be sort of in a way his daughter-in-law because of course her and Zach were engaged because mm-hmm. um, that was the big news that Zach was going to tell his dad but of course he never got the opportunity to do that and obviously although you don't see this part of it you can take from what's been said and sort of from what's been acted in the scenes is that they obviously got close before she started serving on Galactica um, and so that's why they have this sort of father sort of daughter relationship and especially as things were really bad with Lee sort of I, I always got that she became his family because his boys had gone his wife had gone yeah so it's like a betrayal of trust that she's kept this from him all these years when well, well not just that of course he finds out that basically she killed him in a way so not yeah. only did she not do her duty of saying no you're a crap pilot you have not passed <laughs> but so not only did she sort of betray that sort of trust that was given to her as an instructor but she also sort of broke the trust of telling him and owning up to her mistakes to begin with yeah and sort of when sort of he goes to her saying what did you do to Zack why are you guilty and what are you guilty of um, and you can just see this hurt and pain in his face mm-hmm. yeah you get a lot from a, from um, his eyes as well because it's in his eyes that he knows what she's going to say but he doesn't want to hear it, although he needs to hear it. Yeah. And and when she crumbles at the end, because, you know, Starbucks is big, uh, macho, larger than life, I don't care about anyone and everything type of person, and she just crumbles in front of him. And it's such a powerful scene. And then, you know, just, just to press home how disgusted he is with her, he says to her, leave while you still can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you know, and then she goes off with the train, and she goes into overcompensation mode because of this with the trainees by like basically dropping every solitary one of them. Yeah, she flunks yeah. the entire group. <laughs> uh, but this 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 rumbles on. I mean, this is the thing I like about Battlestar Galactica. Is this rumbles on. This doesn't just like this isn't just in this episode. This now that it's out in the open, and you know he knows and she knows and Apollo knows and everything else this has an underlying theme going through all the upcoming bit with all the trainee pilots which culminates with her and Kat banging heads yeah for the first but not the last time <laughs> yes. yeah yeah because well we won't go into that because that's called coming no spoilers even though <laughs> if, basically you should know what's going on if you're listening to a Battlestar Galactic podcast but still <laughs> well I've got as because I started doing the rewatch when I knew we were going to be doing Frack Stars, so I've got some people in my um, company who saw it and went, "What's that? It's the new Battlestar Galactica. Have you not seen it? No. It's just like that looks really good. I said it is. So a friend of mine, Elijah, um, was talking to him at lunchtime, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, getting to the end of season um, four." He goes. I just can't handle it. Just so much going on, um, and he's just got so many questions. It's just like I'm not going to tell you what happens. You got to watch it. And he's like, but um, 
Just, it's too good. Just too many things going on. <laughs> My head can't cope. Just, I tell you what, as it gets nearer and near the end, there's even more stuff going on. I know, yeah. and he's got all these ideas about what's going on, and I'm just thinking, yeah, you've got no idea, mate. <laughs> it can, it's quite an intense show. Sometimes it can be almost traumatic. And like I've had times when I've been doing the rewatch, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take a few days. I'm going to have a wee break, and I'm going to come back to it, because it's just too much. <laughs> Well, what I've been trying to do is to make it that I do the rewatch of the episode before we do it, so I can. It's a lot fresher in my mind, yeah. rather than sort of talking about the episode and then realise that I'm actually talking about another episode. <laughs> so you know how it is when you've watched the sci-fi program so much. Sometimes you go, ah, oh, and this happened, and this happened. Hang on, didn't that happen like the season later? Did it? Um. <laughs> Oh no, I always watch it as close as I can to when I'm going to talk about it so it's uh, fresh. Yeah. Well, I watched, yeah. yeah, I watched this episode at, I think I started watching it about 10 to 3 this morning and then I was watching it um, as, when I got home, so about 6 o'clock this evening as well, um, while I sort of getting things set up and getting ready. Um, so just to try and, yeah, remember everything that's sort of going on. But, um, but yeah. Elijah's, he's, in, he's in for a treat though. If his brain might get fried a bit as he gets towards the end, but yeah, you know, they do pull all the threads together. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just the fact he had so many questions. I'm just sitting there grinning at him, going, "Yeah, you've got no idea, mate, and I'm not going to tell you." <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, never mind. Nah. But, all, all good things to those that way. Yeah. So, um, what about um, the way that she assigns, I think the way she assigns the nicknames to him, like Hot Dog, because, you know, he's full of himself. Yeah. And then she, and she, she whips the cap off that guy, like, you know, you're in the military now, and she gives him the big speech about, like, you don't know squat, you know, this thing will just look after this plane, otherwise this plane will come back and bite you, and, and all that type of speech. She's very much like... Um, a, a sergeant would be when they're bailing out the new recruits. Yeah, well, it's just the yeah. fact that she walks into the room <laughs> and they're all just sort of like gossiping, sitting around like it, and um, they're at school, <laughs> sort of not a care in the world. And <laughs> um, sort of, and um, what does she say? Something like, officer on deck, and she's just completely ignored. <laughs> it's like, all right, <laughs> get up on your feet. And. Um, there's also the, the fact that they haven't got a simulator, so the only way they can learn to fly is to fly. Yeah, there's no safety net here. So, and then we have the, uh, what is it? was it Cat? Yeah, it was Cat, yeah. Cat trying to do it and how to land. Um, and she's, don't chat how do you turn like, you know, you know, anyone who's watched Top Gun or anything like that, like, I've got the ball and all that type of stuff. I thought that was a nice, um, to keep it like so we can relate to it and stuff like that. Although there was no Tom Cruise, so. <laughs> or Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> yeah, even if you don't like Top Gun, the soundtrack's not that bad. So. <laughs> uh, and then we have basically the bit that's been going through uh, in between the flashbacks with, with Kara. Uh, there's also the flashback of her basically crashing. And that comes at the very end when we find out why she crashes. 
Um, mm-hmm. And Hot Dog lives up to his name by disobeying orders. Although it was in the tradition of a lot of the military services, which is you don't leave someone behind. So, yeah, it was a rather sweet moment, wasn't it? When he so, turns around. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, what the hell are you doing? But backing my leader up. <laughs> just like, I also told you to follow orders. <laughs> yeah, and bless his little cotton socks, he comes to help her and lasts about five seconds. Yeah. Oh, and the thing is, like... she probably would have done a lot better had he have just kept away. <laughs> yeah. So she'd already taken out from the eight that were on their way. She'd already taken out, what, six at that point? There's only like two left. <laughs> Yeah, as, as they turn, I've come to help you. Yeah, I've kind of done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit late to the party. Pilots, they could just have Starbuck. Yeah. But yeah, watching her do her flying in the Vipers is always a lot of fun anyway. <laughs> just the sort of character she always becomes when she's in sort of like, in a way, the hot seat. It's like, yeah, man, I have... <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, um, it was a lot of fun, and of course, yeah, as you said, we get clips of um, her Viper sort of burning up in um, a planet's atmosphere. Um, and of course, what we see is she's trying to help Hot Dog and sort of takes on that final um, raider. And of course, well, she had some problems because she got hit by some of the projectiles from the raider. But then, of course, she takes out the raider and it sort of spins past her. Sort of completely sort of swiping the side of a ship, <laughs> um, which sort of completely knocks out like everything, and then gravity takes its toll, and <laughs> down they but, go. But she'd already lost the transponder and a radar before that point. Yeah, well, that was when she got hit by yeah. the projectiles, wasn't it? So basically, the ship was falling apart anyway. But the thing is, is because of course they can't. They didn't do like a 24 where you're seeing things going on at the same time. I was never sure when they said that her sort of um, her signal's gone was actually that was part of the same thing when she got hit by the radar, that's when it dropped out. But rather than showing that happen and then show that it's done, they did it the other way around. So you know something bad's going to happen, but you're not quite sure what. <laughs> yeah, did you notice the. Noticed a mistake with when she was crashing. No. Uh, uh, I only noticed it because it's in the it's it's um, it's not in the commentary, but I only noticed it because they showed a clip so many times. I didn't click it until they showed the clip the fourth time, and the altimeter is going up. Oh, is it? Is it spinning the wrong way? It's spinning the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now I think about it. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's because it's, they showed the clip about it's about four or five times they showed that one clip. Yeah. And on the third clip, and they focused on the alternator on the third clip, and I thought, hang on. And then the episode carried on, and then they showed the fourth clip of the crashing, which is basically the end bit. I think it's the fourth or fifth time they show it. And then the alternator, and then I looked in, and I went, yeah, it is. It's going up. And then I thought, well, hang on, that might make sound base into atmosphere. So does the alternator only work when you hit atmosphere? So I thought it yeah. might have been that, but then I thought no, because she's hitting atmosphere, but she's still falling, and it's still going up. Oh well, inconsistency then. <laughs> so, but I just thought, hey, there you go, it's early in the episode, and you're already making mistakes. 
but then again we do know that you know spoilers ahead because <laughs> Starbuck doesn't crash just the once so, no. also this uh, the Solan Rider that goes down that also plays in because that comes back into play as well yeah well what I was gonna say is when you said there was a mistake I was wondering because um, just looking it up um, there's also a second one um, the the artificial horizon meter it shows her spinning to the right although her Viper is actually in a flat spin um, so that oh, was right. also <laughs> so they've got both of those wrong so basically oh, whoever dear. was doing the, the dials was, was having a bad day <laughs> just, like, just make them move just make it look like something's happening doesn't really matter what direction <laughs> yeah. so but yeah they're the only um, as IMDB says Factual errors. <laughs> Which always is that what it calls them? <laughs> yeah, they title it factual errors, and I'm just thinking it's a science fiction program. It's not exactly factual, but okay, <laughs> I get where they're coming from. <laughs> so. Oh well, while you're on IMDb, then have a look at the trivia, because they always do trivia IMDb. Do see if there's any, see if there's any interesting trivia. Let's have a look. Yes, yeah, Starbucks splits her trainee pilots groups of two, tells them they're going to learn manoeuvre called Torchweave. This is a reference to Thatchweave, a two-plane defensive manoeuvre developed by the US Navy pilots during World War II. Um, one of the paperback books, Boomer knocks off the shelf when finding the bomb shelter in the restaurant is The Warbirds by Richard Herriman Jr., which revolves around dwindling US Air Force fighter wing. Um, single-handedly fighting a small-scale conflict. See how lovely little touches like that. And then the third one is the opening bit of Out of Contrition, where a drone accidentally breaks loose from the storage rack. It's potentially ignites. It's based on a real incident aboard the USS Forrestal, <laughs> where a missile accidentally ignited, which is what we were saying earlier. Yet several planes on the flight deck. Um, the coordinates... Um, like Chance, the pilots were singing and um, was rewritten version of the chant sung by the A-10 Thunder pilots, Thunderbolt pilots. Yeah, so that ties into what it says on the um, commentary. Yeah. I like the <clears> one with <throat> the Warbirds though, that was, that was a nice touch. Hmm. So it does also say on Battlestar Galactica Wiki that some of the books that are on the bookshelf, one of them is Adolf Hitler. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if, if someone just grabbed a stack of books and shoved them on the shelf, or you know, just you know, the, unless the colonial empire had another Hitler, you know, yeah, or a time machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but that was that's on Star Trek Wiki. One of the books is has uh, got a picture of Adolf Hitler on the cover. So, <laughs> oops. <laughs> But yeah, of course, that's the part that we're talking about there, because of course um, we've got um, small parts of where we've got um, Halo and the other Sharon um, that are on Caprica still, because um, they've been there two weeks now, I think they say. So 14 yeah. days, I think it, um, it said. Um, so of course um, they find this sort of hidden shelter. Um, but yeah, it's because of course they've got all the food and water that they need, 
um, radiation meds, blankets, and basically everything that they want. But um, when we're talking, um, what was it in uh, water? I think it was. Sort of, you know, we said about how they picked up sort of beacons about whether or not it was deliberately set to be that place. Do you know? I sort of was questioning why she was using the radiation meds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the fact that they find more here, so whether or not that was a sort of link in, we're short, we need to find it, we have this signal, we need to go, um, as part of this sort of test that they're putting him through. Yeah, which at, at this point in the story, you're still thinking, why? But that's one of the things that they want to do to keep you coming back to watch it, to try and figure it all out. Yeah, it, it, and it's not entirely clear as to whether this is a real shelter that was already there and they've, it's just been coincidence that they've picked up the signal and they've sort of ran with it, or if it's been set up by the Cylons so that they'd find the shelter so that they could, you know, get a bit cosy. Yeah. I, I think it was a setup because as they go in, um, she's walking past the window with a hand on the glass. Yeah, basically the restaurant's being observed by six. Yeah. Um, so they know they're there, and of course you've got the um, sort of completely robotic Cylons that then go in there in the first thing in the morning, which then is their little thing of her disappearing to talk to Six and I can't remember what the other one's number is. Uh, oh, is it five? I think it might be five. I think it's five, yeah. Yeah, the one that was uh, showing people round on miniseries and that got left at the space station anyway um, him yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's basically jinxed so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it was uh, a real shelter I mean even if it was a real shelter that they were then using for their own purposes I like the idea that 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 shelter was there and obviously the person that had set it up never got to use it and that really highlighted the, how sudden the attack was that you know even if you were preparing for the worst you know, you, you, you had your Armageddon plan all planned out that sometimes it just happens so fast that you you don't have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it, it plays into reality as well because, I mean, in the storyline, basically the first war was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people after 40 years will think, oh, we're not going to be all right, we're safe now. But even now, in, in our society, people have nuclear shelters that they keep stocked just in case. Yeah. But then, sort of, yeah, all it takes is for them to go on holiday a few hundred miles away, and it, this attack suddenly comes, and... Well, this is the thing that always, always tickled me with people who had their own personal nuclear shelters, is you had to have time to get into that shelter. So if you're at work, or, you know, you're out, at, you know, for argument's sake, the shop, getting, like, the weekly shop or something, and it happens, I think it's something like three minutes warning. Mm-hmm. So the only way your nuclear shelter is going to work for you is if you're no more than three minutes away from it. Yeah, so you can, you can is, never leave your home. <laughs> yeah, well the thing is, is when sort of like when it comes to like World War Two and things like that, when everybody had shelters, people all lived locally. Literally, they were a short walk away, sort of thing, for the most part. Um, so not like these days. It's like for me, um, even now, I'm working closer to home than I was just sort of like four months ago um, it's still a half an hour journey by car for me to get home 
and that's if the traffic's good. <laughs> um, people these days work so much further afield and so there are people who do even bigger commutes than sort of that as well. And of course there's always these strange people that sort of drive trains and things up and down the country. And... Yeah, not commute yeah. anything up to four hours away, so... <laughs> yeah. Basically, if someone declared war and I was at work, I'd just say, yep, okay, might as well just go and have a beer. <laughs> well, it's just like, right, we're heading this way, and I'm not stopping at any of the stops. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to sack me afterwards, good luck with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be personally, given what Carl's been through, I, I do think this bit about the, the shelter, which just happens to have anti-radiation medicine, and he's had military... Do you not think it's a bit, you know, convenient? Well, as I said, I think it always was. The um, thing is, it never does get made clear, sort of, why all that happened. Um, I think it's just a way to, sort of, keep that storyline of the rebuild of Caprica for when other things happen which we'll get into at later episodes. I think it was just in a way it was just a way that they used to keep Caprica alive and to show what was going on. And it was also to show sort of the Cylons interest in humans and relationships. Um, that's why I don't think it it ever played a big part in a lot of, especially these early episodes? I don't think it played a big part in the series, to be honest. I mean, this is basically the mouse and the cheese in the maze. It only really comes together later on when, sort of, you know, or he finds out she's not the real sort of Sharon and things like that. So, as I said, it's just very subtly worked in and continues across. And I think it, it's just there to lay the foundations to sort of, as I said, I don't, because I don't want to try and give too much away for anybody who is listening who hasn't actually watched it. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is just a way for it to sort of set the foundations, really, of um, later storylines that are used. Yeah, yeah, we, we will refer back to this in, in other episodes as, as this thread ties in with another thread um, and leads to... What can only be called complications in, in, the, love, in the love departments. Uh, it's going to be a bad day for Halo. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, um, but we we won't. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to the episode. So yeah. <laughs> so any final thoughts from you two? Yeah, well, we've not mentioned uh, the president. Oh God, gotcha, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. She has a bad day too in this episode yeah I, I, this doctor cracks me up though I mean he's lecturing her about that and he's having a fag I know <laughs> he's sitting there with a cigarette in his mouth and she goes do you mind he's like nope <laughs> and guy, it's just he is like, like the definition of curmudgeon he's just brilliant he's so grumpy but in such an endearing sort of a way yeah he makes Dr. Mackay have a perfectly brilliant bedside manner oh yeah, but like, that at least scene... Dr. McCoy never sparked up in the middle of an operating theatre. <laughs> but it's not just that, it's just the fact that she's going, um, excuse me, do you mind about him smoking? But she's the one that's already got cancer because she hadn't got herself checked out when, of course, her it runs in the family anyway. 
So it's just her going, do you mind when she already has cancer? And him going, no, I don't give a shit. And, <laughs> and he hasn't. Um, yeah, I just found that sort of like funny. It's just... <laughs> yeah, and, and any advice? Yeah, pray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's such a comfort. <laughs> Gotta love that cuddle. <laughs> yeah. You, you're gonna die, love. You know, you might as well just get your head around it because it's gonna happen. For a fact. Yeah. I also love the sort of uh, roll of the eyes that you can see going on with him when she starts talking about Kamala. And I just get this feeling that he's like, <laughs> oh my god, she's one of those airy fairy crap people. Yeah, because he turns around and says, you're one of them, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Not another one. <laughs> so you have heard of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is bad. I, I presume it's like some herbal. It's a bit the equivalent of someone going to a Chinese witch doctor or something. Yeah, it's yeah, called um, yeah. Kamala extract, extract, isn't it? Yeah. So it's what they call the alternative um, therapy. Um, so, but of course, one of the things that happens with it is because um, it's a hallucinogenic, isn't it? Or it has yeah. the properties, um, and um, of course, that sort of works into what happens in uh, um, again later episodes. <laughs> but yeah, this yeah. is introducing sort of what becomes another sort of storyline later on and then what becomes a big storyline later on as well <laughs> to do with sort of religion and um, presidency and all sorts of other things which uh, we'll have to talk about. Um, the other thing that we have also missed is um, the poker game. Oh yeah. Um, poker because not only do you have sort of Kara sort of basically daydreaming and just thinking about Zack but um, they've also got it because they have the mention of the Cylon detector because that's when um, Felix I think it is he turns around and says so how's the Cylon detector going um, or someone says it to Felix sorry because um, it's Felix and um, Gaius that are working on it I think it's Crashdown he might have actually said it and it's just like what Cylon detector? If we were working on a Cylon detector, that would of course be sort of like restricted and um, we wouldn't be able to talk about it. <laughs> and then they start sort of saying about how sort of um, Cylons are actually look like humans and sort of talking about all the sort of scuttlebutt. Yeah, the rumour mill's been turning and that's the first time that Boomer sort of catches wind of the Cylon detector as well, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so, and again, it was only like sort of a minute and a half, two minutes, um, actually sort of talking about it. But again, it's just another one of these things where just one small, simple sort of like 10, 15 second sort of thing and just highlight something that's still going on and then gets referenced later on in the show, which they do an awful lot in this series. Yeah, they're very good at having an episode that's about one character, but they still manage to move the overarching plot along for everybody else. Yeah, even just though it's just... little two-minute moments, they just manage to shift it all along so that the next episode can be about somebody else, but, you know, you don't have to start from scratch again. Yeah, and it's just these little tidbits. Because that's yeah. one of the things with a lot of other sci-fi shows. It was always so very episodic that literally 
what happened in one show never carried over to what happened in other shows and it's just like yeah the ship sort of almost gets destroyed and yeah magically they're talking about it like it's like only a couple of weeks later and the ship is all nice and shiny and sort of no markings on it at all yeah yeah whereas bsg is just like a four year long movie it's just one continuous story from beginning to end yeah, and of course they do it. Of course, there are sort of gaps in the storyline and um, between sort of some parts of the series and things like that. And they are sort of they're really quite clear gaps. And then the storyline sort of picks up and sort of fills in. And a lot of the time, it's with sort of um, flashbacks, and it, sometimes it's just sort of you see that storyline. Um, so it's not even a sort of flashback sometimes as well. And yeah, just the way they sort of cut all these things together throughout the entire sort of run, I always really liked. It was a sort of very clever way to sort of go back and forth. Mm. Um, but of course, this all sort of then leads up to, as we sort of mentioned, that Kara sort of crashes on this planet. And um, this is when you really see how Adama feels about her. Because even though they'd literally, he'd just told her sort of not long ago to get out of his office before she can't sort of walk herself out of the office. Yeah. Um, he's saying she will make it, she will make it, sort of trying to convince himself that she can make sort of like going up against eight Cylon Raiders. And um, so, yeah, you can really see that no matter what she did, he still feels for her and loves her like a daughter sort of yes. thing and um, that's then made even more clearer when of course it comes to the search for her because they have problems doing this search because of the conditions of the planet because it's just full of sort of dust and um, all sorts of other stuff visibility is really low and they're sort of using up huge amounts of fuel and um, of course she only has limited oxygen and sort of even the president ends up going to Galactica and Rosalind just says that you guys are just way too emotional about this thing you care for her I understand but it's not what the fleet needs it's not gonna help us survive just keep yeah. wasting resources hoping she's still alive when by all accounts she should be dead because she's out of oxygen um, sort of the fleet is vulnerable yeah again you get these sort of looks from Lee Adama and um, Commander Adama um, as they sort of like, look at each other they know she's right but they don't want to admit it they just want to sort of keep hold of this small light that she might still be alive so of course then they start to prep to recall everyone and to sort of like um, start heading out and of course this is one of the most fun parts because of course while all this is going on we see sort of Kara she finds this raider that went down because it's still intact and we actually learn about the raiders here uh, about how it is sort of almost a living ship just with sort of a metal shell around it really yeah, it's more like an animal than a machine. 
Yeah. And sort of she manages to get in by sort of climbing inside. And sort of then she's just sort of trying to figure out where everything is because, of course, she knows that basically it's a flying machine. So it's got its pitch and its yaw and sort of something to fire weapons. And, of course, it's a living thing, so it's more than likely to need oxygen. So she finds a way to breathe. So she just literally starts cutting into things and <laughs> pressing things. And it's just I like the bit where she sort of presses something and it fires the weapon. She goes, right, I won't be touching that again then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that, made, that always makes me laugh because she just says it so casually. But of course then, yeah, she gets the Raider flying as they're sort of getting ready to sort of head out. And of course, the only person who can get a Viper out to um, meet her... Um, or to take her on, because they could, of course think she's a Cylon, um, is Leah Dharma. And of course, yeah, Jesse's sort of thinking, God, this thing can fly. And <laughs> <laughs> Just like, um, Galactica, um, this thing's acting weird. <laughs> it's just like, what do you mean? It's flying in formation with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's just like, what do you mean it's flying information? <laughs> and then of course it sort of spins round and she's sort of painted on um, the bottom of it. <laughs> sort of um, Starbuck. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to know where she got the paint. <laughs> well, I think it was just blood. But it was, it was yellow, wasn't it? No, it was red. I'm sure it was. was. Yeah. I'm sure it was red. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. if it was red, it was from the... Yeah, it would have been from the, the ship. But I... Don't know why I thought it was yellow. So, um, but no, that bit was just great. But of course, as everybody's sort of like, um, sort of celebrating back on Galactica and everything else, and <laughs> sort of, you still got um, Villadama who sort of like, all seriousness, saying, "Right, bring it in, but any wrong move, blow it out of the sky." And <laughs> sort of, still sort of thinking, sort of. Bit, <laughs> Um, it's still got to be down to business and sort of the safety of everybody aboard sort of thing. I just found a picture. It was yellow, but it oh, was it... tape. I oh, think she must tape. have had a roll of tape in her ship when it crashed. Because I'm sure it was yellow, but it was. But it wasn't painted on, it was tape. It was tape on. Well, yeah. that leads me to think, how the hell did that tape stay on as it went through the atmosphere? Yes. But then that also raises the question, <laughs> how did she not get sucked out of that little tiny hole which yeah. <laughs> she made? Um, because what did she use to make it that <laughs> it was an airtight seal? Especially as yeah. she cut her way in as well. So there are a few questions to do with that, <laughs> that part. It's just like, yeah, that doesn't quite work that, but it's still sort of a fun part. Yeah. We'll let it slide because it, otherwise it was a very cool moment. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I keep forgetting to turn the commentary on for these things. Um, so whether or not it is actually explained away. Um, it, but uh, yeah, there's just a, little things like that. It's just like, yeah, that wouldn't quite work. But it's still <laughs> sort of something very clever. And yeah, I think what they did with the ships... Um, was very clever, it was very different because of course in the original Battlestar Galactica the sh raiders that they had then 
were all sort of manned by sort of three or four silent silence silons um which literally all they ever said was by your command <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah i thought this way it was so different um compared to how they'd done it before um with it sort of inside basically being a living creature um and of course they then expand on that um, in future episodes as well um which is to do with how sort of even though they die they don't but we'll get into that in a in a later episode <laughs> that fun's still to come <laughs> oh yes so but yeah as we sort of said though there is one sort of overarching story which was about um starbuck and her relationship with um zach and sort of lee and um Villadama. um yeah, you've just got all these little bits of storylines that just move so much along in this episode. Uh, yeah, it's just very, very cleverly done. Um, I think, especially for this season, um, this comes for me um, directly after 33, as in my favourite ones. Mm -hmm. It's definitely an enjoyable one to watch. We've pretty much covered everything. There's, for all that it's a, an episode about Starbucks, there's actually quite a lot that, that goes on and we've touched on all the little subplots that are woven in there. But overall, yeah, one of the, one of the better ones from season one, I think. Most definitely. Alrighty. Well, thank you all for joining us. Take care, everybody. 